0: A treatise on the religious affections, negative signs. Number seven, persons having religious affections of many kinds accompanying one another is not sufficient to determine whether they have any gracious affections or not, though false religion is wont to be maimed and monstrous, and not to have that entireness and symmetry of parts which is to be seen in true religion, yet There may be a great variety of false affections together that may resemble gracious affections. It is evident that there are counterfeits of all kinds of gracious affections as of love to God, love to the brethren, as has been just now observed, so of godly sorrow for sin as in Pharaoh, and Ahab and the children of Israel in the wilderness, Exodus 9 verse 27, 1 Samuel 24 verses 16 and 17. And of the fear of God is in the Samaritans, who feared the Lord and served their own gods at the same time, 2 King seventeen thirty two and 33. And those enemies of God we read of in Psalm 66, verse 3, who through the greatness of God's power submit themselves to him, or as it is in the Hebrew, lie unto him. In other words, they yield a counterfeit reverence and submission. So of a gracious gratitude is in the children of Israel who sang God praises at the Red Sea. Psalm 106.12 A name in the Syrian after his miraculous cure of his leprosy in 2 Kings 5.15. So of spiritual joy is in the stony ground hearers, Matthew 13 verse 20. In particular, many of John the Baptist's hearers, John 5.35 so of zeal, as in Jehu, Second Kings 10, verse 16, and Paul before his conversion, Galatians 1, verse 14, Philippians 3, verse 6, and the unbelieving Jews, Acts 22, verse 3, and Romans 10, verse 2. So graceless persons may have earnest religious desires, which may be like Balaam's desires, which he expresses under an extraordinary view that he had of the happy state of God's people as distinguished from all of the rest of the world. Numbers 23, verses 9 and 10. They may also have a strong hope of eternal life. As the Pharisees had, and as man, while in a state of nature, capable of a resemblance of all kinds of religious affections. So nothing hinders but that they may have many of them together. And what appears, in fact, as abundantly evinced that it is very often so indeed. It seems commonly to be so that when false affections are raised high, many false affections attend each other. The multitude that attended Christ into Jerusalem, after that great miracle of raising Lazarus, seemed to have been moved with many religious affections at once, and all in a high degree. They seem to have been filled with admiration. And there was a show of a high affection of love and also of a great degree of reverence in their laying their garments on the ground for Christ to tread upon and also of great gratitude to him for the great and good works he had wrought, praising him with a loud voice for his salvation and earnest desires of the coming of God's kingdom which they supposed Jesus was now about to set up and showed great hopes and raised expectations of it expecting it would immediately appear and hence were filled with joy by which they were so animated in their acclamations as to make the whole city ring with the noise of them and appear great in their zeal and forwardness to attend jesus and assist him without further delay now in the time of the great feast of the passover to set up his kingdom and it is easy from nature and the nature of the affections, to give an account why, when one affection is raised very high, that it should excite others, especially if the affection which is raised high be that of counterfeit love, as it was in a multitude who cried Hosanna. This will naturally draw many affections after it, for, as was observed before, love is the chief of the affections, and as it were the fountain of them. Let us suppose a person who has been for some time in great exercise in terror through fear of hell, and his heart weakened, with distress and dreadful apprehensions, and upon the brink of despair, and is all at once delivered, by being firmly made to believe, through some delusion of Satan that God has pardoned him, and accepts him as the object of his dear love, and promises him eternal life, and suppose through some vision, or strong idea, or imagination, suddenly excited him of a person with a beautiful countenance smiling on him, and with arms open, and with blood dropping down, which a person conceives to be Christ, without any other enlightening of the understanding, to give a view of the spiritual divine excellency of Christ in his fullness, and of the way of salvation revealed in the Gospel, or perhaps by some voice or words coming as if they were spoken to him such as these. Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you, or fear not. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, which he takes to be immediately spoken by God to him, though there was no preceding acceptance of Christ, or closing of the heart with him. I say if we should suppose such a case, what various passions would naturally crowd at once, or one after another, into such a person's mind. It is easy to be accounted for, from mere principles of nature, that a person's heart on such an occasion should be raised up to the skies with transports of joy, and be filled with fervent affection to that imaginary God or Redeemer who he supposes has thus rescued him from the jaws of such dreadful destruction, that his soul was so amazed with the fears of, as has received him with such endearment as a peculiar favorite, and that now he should be filled with admiration and gratitude in his mouth, should be opened and be full of talk about what he has experienced, and that for a while he should think and speak of scarce anything else, and should seem to magnify that God who has done so much for him, and call upon others to rejoice with him, and appear with a cheerful countenance, and talk with a loud voice, and however before his deliverance he was full of quarrellings against the justice of God, that now it should be easy for him to submit to God, and own his unworthiness, and cry out against himself, and appear to be very humble before God. And lie at his feet as tame as a lamb, and that he should now confess his unworthiness and cry out, Why me? Why me? Like Saul, when Samuel told him that God had appointed him to be king, makes answer, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? Am my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speak you so to me? much in the language of David, the true saint, 2 Samuel 7, verse 18. Who am I? And what is my father's house that you have brought me here? Nor is it to be wondered at, that now he should delight to be with them who acknowledge and applaud his happy circumstances, and shall love all such as esteem and admire him, and what he has experienced, and have violent zeal against all such as would make nothing of such things and be disposed openly to separate, and as it were to proclaim war with all who be not of his party, and should now glory in his sufferings, and be very much for condemning and censoring all who seem to doubt or make any difficulty of these things, and while the warmth of his affection lasts, should be mighty forward to take pains and deny himself to promote the interest of the party who he imagines favors such things, and seem earnestly desirous to increase the number of them, as the Pharisee's compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And so I might go on, and mention many other things which will naturally arise in such circumstances. He must have but slightly considered human nature who thinks such things as these cannot arise in this manner, without any supernatural interposition of divine power. As from true divine love from all Christian affections, so from a counterfeit love in like manner naturally flow other false affections. In both cases, love is a fountain, and the other affections are the streams. The various faculties, principles, and affections of the human nature are, as it were, many channels from one fountain if there be sweet water in the fountain, sweet water will from thence flow out into the various channels. But if the water in the fountain be poisonous, then poisonous strains will also flow out into all those channels, so that the channels and streams will be alike, corresponding one with another. But the great difference will lie in the nature of the water. For man's nature may be compared to a tree. With many branches coming from one root. If the sap and the root be good, there will also be good sap distributed throughout the branches, and the fruit that is brought forth will be good and wholesome. But if the sap and the root and stalk be poisonous, so it will be in many branches, as in the other case, and the fruit will be deadly. The tree in both cases may be alike. There may be an exact resemblance in shape but the difference is found only in eating the fruit. It is thus, in some measure at least, oftentimes between saints and hypocrites, there is sometimes a very great similitude between true and false experiences in their appearance and in what is expressed and related by the subjects of them. And the difference between them is much like the difference between the dreams of Pharaoh's chief, Butler, and Baker. They seem to be much alike, insomuch that when Joseph interpreted the chief butler's dream that he should be delivered from his imprisonment and restored to the king's favor in his honorable office in the palace, the chief baker had raised hope and expectations and told his dream also, and he was woefully disappointed, and though his dream was much like the happy and well boding dream of his companion, yet it was quite the opposite of it in the end.